Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Well, joining me on the Above180.com podcast is Rob Gottschall. Rob is the marketing manager, player promotions, and events for Ebonite International. Rob, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right, well... You guys are leading, Team team NABR leading the USBC Open Championships, 3368. Talk about it. You just got the phone call. Talk about what that that was like. Uh, You know, it's a a pretty incredible experience. Uh, I I follow the history of the tournament, and it it means so much to so many people. And to to now be a part of that history is, it's, it's... it's truly incredible. I don't think it's fully hit me yet. As it, it'll sink in a little more as the presentations go on next year, and you get to see your banner, and you get to see the eagle next to your name. But I mean, it's it's definitely a a dream come true for me and my teammates as well. Talk about uh, if it was nerve wracking after you guys put up that big number on a challenging condition. How much were you paying attention to the live streams? How much are you guys watching it? And uh, and were there any anxious moments? Well, personally for me, I didn't follow it too much. I mean, I, I paid attention, but I wasn't as in-depth as Adam. Adam was very, very involved in watching the live streams and the scores every day. And, you know, I, I just have the belief of whatever happens, happens. I mean, we were we were nervous leaving just for the fact that we felt we left a lot of pins out there when we left. But as the weeks went on and, and we, we realized, I mean, we knew the patterns were tough and and, and we knew it was hard, but as the weeks went on, we're like, well, this this really could happen, you, you know. It, but it, it's just special. It, it was just a it was a great night for for all of us. So talk about winning on such a demanding pattern. I mean, last year the scores were crazy high. 
this year it seemed like the USBC said we're going to put a you know execute and you're going to you know we're going to put a premium back on shot making which is frankly how I feel the tournament should be so talk about on winning uh, when the, the pattern was uh, as demanding as it was yeah it, it means a lot because I, I'm more known as a shot maker I, I don't I mean I can bowl when they're easier or whatever but to me it's it's the most prestigious event you know for the USBC and it's our national championship and and you should have to earn it and and not that you don't earn it when the lanes are easier but you know there needs to be a premium on shot making and and I applaud them for what they did this year with the lanes and you, you know we went in as a team not not as much with a set game plan as we have in years past because when the pattern's demanding, you, you have to do what the pattern gives you. This year wasn't necessarily about carving up the lane, you know, trying to build something there for you to be able to pop off the big score. This was, this year was about controlling the pocket, making, you know, trying, you know, to stay clean. You know, if every frame you filled was valuable this year, and you know, you, you see it in the scores. You know, it's just, it, it's. I'm I like shot making, and, and I think it, it it's. It's true. It's really good that this year was a shot makers event. So when I talked to Adam, he, he said that you know we're all five anchor players, and um, I want to just get the thoughts of, of how did you guys actually decide to come up with your lineup, and then for you, you know, knowing you needed them in the end there, I, no, I noticed you just changed your Facebook page, and then that has that has to you know mean something too for you to be a shot maker and then make the shots when needed. Yeah, you know. The lineup, I don't know how it got set. I think Mike Rose, when we put this whole idea in motion three years ago and then made it happen for us to all get together, I think he said it on, on how he felt things would flow. You know, Adam's kind of a, a emotional player and, and, and very, you know, energetic. And so, so we put him at the top, you know, to, to lead us off and get us started. You know, Scott and Brian, they're just, they're just solid. They're solid as rocks. And... Me and Mike have known each other for a long time, and we feed real well off each other, so he put us at the bottom. And, you know, when the, the first year we bowled and I saw that I was put in the five-hole, I, I felt honored. I, I mean, here's my peers, you know, putting me in this position. And then, then this year, you know, coming down, we got three guys all needing to double in the 10th to take the lead. It, And I just – I told Mike before Brian got up, I said – I just want the chance. Just, just get it to me, and and they did it. And you know, but before I threw the first one in the tenth, I, I just told myself it, it's no different. It's just another, it's another shot. The lane's still 60 feet, and there's there's nothing different about throwing the shot. Sure, it's a different moment, but it's still bowling, and you just got to do execute to your best. So talk about yourself personally. At 2181 all events, I believe that was second to Matt McNeil. That's a great number, too, on such a demanding. I mean, 7, 783, 679, 719 for yourself. Talk about what that, you know, what that means for you personally to, to throw the ball so well and to score so well on a, on a challenging condition. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the toughest thing, and I did an, an interview with Jeff Regos right after it, and the, the, key to, the key to my all events was truly the first game of the doubles event. I was able to come out with a 260 game, and, and really set the tone and it was it's one of the highest first games of the of the doubles events and it, it was just it helped me stay in the right mindset you know just stay calm I, I never really thought about the all events until about the last game you know we, we were still focused on team all events and 
you know, we're in this together. And as the last game was coming, or we got into the last game, kind of knew we were going to be a little short of the team all events. And everybody just said, do your thing. And Matt Canizaro was there, and I asked him exactly what I needed to take the lead. And he I believe it was 2.30. And I said, well, I guess I need a five-bagger. And I started out like spare six, seven-bagger, something like that. And, you know, I was able to get it get it done. I I only held the lead for about 15 days before Matt Matt you know took me down and it's it's truly incredible what he's done at that event you know being able to bowl over 2200 three times in five years it's it's just phenomenal I mean I mean it's great bowling I I witnessed his uh, win in Baton Rouge which is also the same event where the idea came up to concoct our team as well so we were all there bowling with our prior groups and so it, it but it's just and Matt's a good friend of mine but you know to, to be second in all events it, it hurts a little bit you know at the same time to you know you're so close but at the same time I mean I had the second highest nine game total and one of the toughest open championships in you know recent years well yeah and you spe- speak about Baton Rouge as I recall that was another challenging condition and for Matt and, and yourself to go out and put out such huge numbers just just truly remarkable what do you say to people who watch the live streams and then say there's no way what these guys bowled on is what I bowled on. You know, they got three different machines putting out the lanes just so they can keep things on schedule, frankly. But what do you, what do you say to that? you have anything you'd like to address as far as that's concerned? I mean, the, the biggest thing is I believe it's fair. I, I, they put the same thing out. I mean, there's, there's so many different variables from, you know, the topography to weather. You know, we, we did get a, we went out in April, you know, and, and Eric's team bowled, you know, the week before us, the team that finished second. And I think the climate was cooler. You know, the when the air conditioning was on, it was really cold in the building when we were there. And I just think the oil doesn't transition as much. But at the same time, you get guys with different ball roll. You you have different layouts on your balls. And I, to get to the root of the prof, the, the thing of people accusing, you know, the, the organization that, it, that it's not a fair event is, my answer is simple is, why would they want to not be fair in one of their largest revenue streams in their organization? It just—it just—it doesn't make sense. It's not. It wouldn't be smart business. But and, and it's a tournament. It, it's the way it is. You know, things happen every day. There's there's always differences. But in no way do I think in any way that that tournament is is unfair. I mean, I bowled for 20 years. This was my 20th consecutive USBC tournament. This is the first time I ever led. You know, I just, it's the hardest tournament to win. You, you get three games in each event. You get nine total games, and you only get to do it once a year. It's hard. It, 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 I just I just think it's not right that people would think that that tournament is unfair. Final question for you. The live streams, like you said, you guys are following them. There's been some people that say, hey, look, we've we sh- paved the way for people and see how they should break them down and how they should play the lanes. you have any thoughts on that? I know you said you didn't really follow them a whole lot, but Adam was and, and some of your guys were. So you have any thoughts as far as the live streams? Because, you know, at the end of the day, in my opinion, we still have to go out there and make the shots. You can show, I can watch yours ten times, but if I, I still got to go out there and execute. Yeah. I mean, th- there's good and bad in the live streams. You know, the, the live streams are... It's, it's great because there's exposure to the tournament. It, it, they can help educate people about the tournament and, and help them come more prepared. Uh, you know, at the same time, 
you know, like you said, you're, you're giving information. Yeah, I mean, our, our team bowling and bowling well, we're essentially giving people information to that they can go watch over and over and over again and, and try to have the same game plan. Like I said to you earlier, I, I don't think there was necessarily a right or wrong way to break the lanes down this year other than don't get too far left too fast. But overall, I think it's a... I think it's a great thing for the tournament, for bowling. You know, there, there's we're live streaming all kinds of tournaments, and you know, right here at the PWBA stop this week, it's it's on the internet all, all weekend. And I just I think there's so much more good in it than there is bad. Awesome, thank you, Rob Gottschall, for taking some time to join us, uh, and uh, all the best of luck. I should say all the best of luck. And uh, oh, final question here before we go, Rob. Talk about what you were throwing. I mean, you don't have to get into the specifics of layouts, et cetera, but just talk about what you had from uh, from your uh, what was in your arsenal. Basically, what I used in the tournament, I, u- I used a game breaker two with a, a two inch pin for my axis. You know, CG center of the grip, almost old school label. You know, with the pin a little closer to my axis. I uh, threw it all three games a team. Uh, in in uh, doubles, I started Elizabeth with a, a pin down bad intentions for. I threw it 14 frames. I, I split in the second and fourth of the uh, second game of doubles, and it got out of it right away, went to a different game breaker two that I'd thrown at the Bowler's Journal all week, and just wrote it out the rest of the way and just kept moving left. Awesome. Thanks again, Rob. No problem. Thank you.